thank you that it doesn't matter how we walked in this door, you are still God. God, I thank you that it doesn't matter what, what experiences we had this last week, who we met, where we went. Jesus, you're still God, and you're still offering us the exact same thing from maybe the first time we heard it. That's eternal life in you. And so, God, I'm just so grateful for the manger. Jesus, that you did not come for the, the lofty only. You did not come for the elite only. Jesus, you did not come for kings and emperors only. But Jesus, you came for everyone. So I pray that as we hear from your words, we hear the story about the shepherds, that we would, we would ponder over where we fit in this story. Jesus, that we would ponder over our place in redemption. God, I thank you for your love. And I pray that you would help us to listen with open hearts and open minds. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Wait, 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 wait. Someone has to watch the sheep. What are you talking about? Someone has to watch the sheep. The sheep, okay? They, they eat, they poop, they sleep. They'll be fine. Let's go. That is the same thing that you said when you wanted to go see the Mutton and Sons concert, and we saw it, and we lost half our flock. We lost our Sam! Angels! They just popped out of the sky, and instead of sprinting to Bethlehem, you're all like, oh, we, we gotta take care of the sheep. What about their abandonment issues? Hey, guys. I'm gonna race you, okay? Last one there is the stinky loincloth. Let's go! Look, okay? The angels are there, okay? That, that's what they do. That's why we call them guarding angels. No, 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 it's guardian angels. Guardian. Tomato, tomato! Who cares? Why are we still standing here? Someone needs to watch the sheep. You know it, I know it, and the sheep know it. Sheep don't feel. You can't prove that. Fine. There's only one way to solve this. Rock parchment shears. Loser stays with the sheep. Rock parchment shears, shoot! Rock parchment shears, shoot! Rock parchment shears, shoot! Today. Today, in the town of David, a Savior will be born unto you. Right. Why did the angel say that? Why did the angel tell a bunch of lowly shepherds about the coming of the Messiah? I mean, why us? I don't know why us. But they did. So maybe, maybe this Messiah didn't just come for, for people that matter. Maybe he came. Maybe he came for people like us. Which is all the more reason why we need to go. I know. And I want to. It's just a lot to take in. It's been a crazy night. Did you see how fast I was running? Or there I was like a lightning bolt. But, oh, no, you guys are never going to believe this. Um, I forgot my good cloak. <laughs> Can you imagine me meeting the Messiah without my good cloak? <laughs> that would be ridiculous. I can't even. I'll see you. Let me bottom line this for you. I, I, for one, cannot not go see this Messiah. Okay? So if what you're saying is that I, instead of seeing the man who's going to change everything, have to stay here and sheep sit, well, that just won't work for me. You're right. You're right. But before we go, I'm not trying to nitpick, but you said cannot not, and that's a double negative. It is. Promise me when we go meet the Messiah, you cannot not talk like that. Promise me you won't talk like that to the Messiah. Promise me. He's a baby. He's in swaddling clothes. I don't think he's going to care how we do... We talk pretty. Let's go. Wait. I think I just solved our problem. What? What? What are you guys? 
still doing it. What are you waiting for? It's the king of kings, okay? So let's standy more ruddy. Frank, take a knee. We were playing rock parchment cheers. Oh, yeah? You lost. Oh. All right, who knows if the conversation went that way, right? But there was a conversation. A conversation like that happened. And, and we, we often think of, of, of biblical history. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and, and Christmas time is just more about traditions and it's just all sort of this, just, it's just stuff that we do. It's not real. It didn't really happen. It's just sort of what we tell ourselves to help us live life better. But that really happened. That conversation really happened. Shepherds were real. Angels were real. Jesus was a real baby. Now I want you to think of. I want you to put yourself in in maybe inner city Denver. Um, you know, kind of on the outskirts of of the suburbs, and and you're in a you're you're in an office with a big warehouse or a big a big shop connected. And what you're observing is a group of men. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and the blizzard uh, came as was forecasted, unlike the one that we just had forecasted. Where is it, right? Um, some are rejoicing. Some are sad, like me. I like snow. Um, anyway, we've got these, these men in this shop, and they're, they're drinking coffee out of styrofoam cups, and, and they're all dressed really warm, and they have coats and, and coveralls and gloves, which makes them look even bigger, and, and they're snowplow operators. And really, nobody ever pays attention to snowplow operators unless they're not clearing the roads, unless you can't get out of your driveway. Outside of those times of the year, whoever runs those things, we don't even notice them. We don't even care who they are. These men are, are in this shop. And all of a sudden, there's this bright light. And, and these men, these big, strong men, are, are afraid. Are afraid. They're, they're scared for their lives. Why would they be? Why would they be? Because there is an angel standing before them. Likely, a being with six sets of wings, eyes that look like they're burning, and a sword of flame is standing before them. You see, that's, that's who these shepherds were. They, were. they were men on the fringe. They were very ordinary, blue-collar, looked down on, smelly men. And one of the things, one of the lessons of today is that those are the men who God first told the message of the coming Messiah to. When he had arrived, they were the first ones to hear about it. Now, to me, personally, who feels like a very ordinary, fringe kind of person, that's good news to me. Because what that says is he, he came for me too. Not, not just for those who, who would be in a temple or who would be a king or a queen. No, that's not who God brought the message to. He brought it to these shepherds. Now, only Luke shares this story about the shepherds. So if you would turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 2, that's going to be the passage that we're going to be in this morning. Luke chapter 2. It's the third book of the New Testament. And at the beginning of Luke chapter 2, at the beginning of verse 8, Luke is setting the stage for us for who these shepherds are, what, what they're doing, what their initial emotional state in the midst of the night is. So let's, let's read verses 8 and 9. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were scared to death over what they're seeing right here. Now, these men are simply doing their job. They're doing what they do every day. Not viewed in very high regard by most sophisticated in the first century Jewish society. In fact, um, the bluest of the blue-collar jobs 
and considered by many to be the lowest rung on society's ladder in that day. However, it was steady work, and somebody had to do it, and so they were doing it. Now, they were even considered at times to be social outcasts in their day and time. But these outcasts quickly became insiders to the greatest news to ever hit the earth. The coming of the Messiah. Now their insider status immediately filled them with understandable fear. Sometimes I think that's how we feel when we're confronted with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We become afraid. We, we wonder, what, what would happen if I were to even believe this? If, if I were to surrender my life to Jesus, which he calls us to do, what, there are so many fears that can begin to flood into and enter into our minds. That we begin backpedaling and, and, and questioning its, its reality or whether, why would this message, like the shepherds, why, why did he come to us? Why did this message come to us in the first place? Well, here they are doing what shepherds do, watching their flocks by night, and then they're in the presence of the angel of the Lord. But it doesn't stop there, of course. They're, they're eventually in the presence of a great host of angels. I, could you even imagine what that would be like? What an amazing, amazing experience they were given. Surrounded on all sides. And sensing their fear, the angel of the Lord immediately spoke into their terror. That, that message that every, every angel that appears to a man has to say, do not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. In fact... In fact, what I'm going to tell you, what I'm bringing you, is such great news that, that your fear is going to turn into joy. It's going to turn into joy. Now notice how the scene of the angel and the shepherds progresses from their appearance to, to feeling, to, to first words. And in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Now, Zechariah and Mary, they experienced fear when they were, uh, when they experienced an angel. The news to the shepherds wasn't simply news, however. It was good news. It was great news. It was so good that the angels' news quickly would replace their emotion of fear. And it would re be replaced with joy. This, this good news would begin with the shepherds. Think about that. Shepherds. I mean, people that raise sheep, even today, people kind of look at them with suspicion. Now, I can say that because I raise sheep. But, you know, here in Wyoming, a real... A real rancher raises beef, right? Not sheep. Not even pigs, right? Beef, it's what's for dinner. But these guys, these angels received this message. Now let's go on in verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, let's stop right there. God decided to make a statement about who would receive this good news from the very beginning, from the message first hitting the ground. You see, this good news is for everyone. This good news is for everyone. In verse 10, the angel says that, that this, great, this good news of great joy is for all the people. It's for all the people. An initial proof for that is the fact that he came to the shepherds outcasts of society, the lowest rung of the social ladder. Now, it didn't come to a palace or a temple or a church. It came out in the middle of the fields to some stinky men, very low class, very fringe, 
Now, this message of good news is for the elite as well. It's for the kings, it's for the presidents, it's for the rich. But it started at the bottom. It started on the margins of life rather than on the top and in the middle of the city center. Now, the shepherd's occupation and way of life made it impossible for them to meet all the religious ritual requirements for ceremonial purity of their day. And so these shepherds could never actually go into the temple and worship the Lord. They, could, they couldn't do it. If, if they worked their job every day, it wasn't possible. And to me, the fact that they were chosen by God to be the first to receive the good news is, is confirmation that God came for all. That, that, that this good news that they received helped escape from the very start that this message of hope is for everyone. I don't care who you are sitting here today, what you've done, what you will do in the future. Jesus Christ died for you. He gave his life for you. The question becomes, what is your response going to be to him? And, and we're going to look and see what the shepherd's response was. But before we do that, um, this good news that would be extended to all people, nobody gets left out of the joyous possibility of salvation. Shepherds. Why shepherds? I mean, really. Why not janitors? Or burger flippers? Right? Why shepherds? I don't know exactly why shepherds, but God chose shepherds. And there was a shepherd earlier in the course of history, if you will recall, that, that I haven't often thought about. Just sort of a, a glancing thought about this particular shepherd in the story of, of the coming of Jesus Christ. One shepherd who was chosen by God and who would eventually become an important person in the course of history. Let me read it for you a little bit about the shepherd in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8, 9, and 16. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. A great king with a messianic lineage that would lead to the birth of the Savior in Bethlehem. A couple weeks ago, we talked, last week, we talked about how God is working throughout the course of history and we may not see it in this moment, but we can know that he's working. There was a shepherd earlier in the story, and that shepherd was David. He wasn't man's first choice, because when they asked for all of uh, Jesse's sons to be brought in, and that, that the one who would be the, the future king would be anointed, you notice they ran out of sons before they found, before God said it's this one. In fact, they had to send out into, into the pasture to have, have David brought in. I mean, he lost at Rock Shears Parchment. Every time, I'm guessing. And he was out there. Even David, King David, had a humble beginning. Until God put a hand on his life. So here we have David in the lineage of Jesus who was to be Savior, prophesied, would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. It only makes sense, right? That Bethlehem, the place where the lamb, the, the lambs that would be used for sacrifices in Jerusalem would be considered the city of David because David was once a shepherd. It all makes sense, doesn't it? And God is working this all out through the course of history. And We can't forget that. God consistently has made sure that those on the outskirts who are perceived to be the small and the lowly have a significant place in the story that leads to salvation. Now, that sure often feels like me. 
small, obscure, not that important. But I take confidence in the fact that that's who God chooses. That's who God went to. All of us. Be encouraged this morning by this news. God bringing this news to unlikely recipients is consistent with how God works, how God has worked all throughout history. Now, after the angel of the Lord finished making the announcement of good news to the shepherds about the Savior, they're joined by a multitude. Verse 13, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now this part of the timeline completes this mesmerizing and emotion-filled experience that these shepherds are having right now. The words in this section have been studied and carefully examined, researched, and written about by biblical scholars throughout the centuries. And, and this morning, I want to take seven of those words that are found in, uh, in verses 10 through 14. If you write in your Bibles, you may circle them. You may, you may make a note in the, in the margin about this word. But I want to talk to us about seven words that are major themes that, that continue on throughout the book of Luke. If we knew Greek and we read the book of Luke in Greek, we would make note of these words as we continue to read, but we rely on our English translations to identify them. So, seven words. The first word is euangelizo. And the spelling will be up there on the screen for you, which is the Greek word for bring good news. Bring good news. Now, have you ever pulled into your driveway, or you walk up to your house, or you come in the house, if you leave your house unlocked and the, UF, the UPS driver leaves packages inside your house, and there's a box of unknown origin. You know, generally this time of year when big boxes show up, they say Amazon across the side of them, right? Great way to do your Christmas shopping. But have you ever walked up to the house and there's been a box that you didn't know was coming? What sort of feeling do you get inside? I wonder what it is. Some of us may, oh, I wonder what my daughter or my wife ordered this time, right? Sometimes that's the question. Generally, daughter in my household. But that feeling that you get of anticipation. You know, buying your Christmas presents online is a great thing because when they come in the mail, you can pretend like you're getting the present, right? You open it up and then you wrap it and then you get to give it again. But there's this sense of anticipation. That's what this word that's what this word describes. It's, it's this expectancy, something, uh, something that we're anticipating. This feeling that happens when we actually share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. Someone who maybe has never understood it before or who has never heard of it before, but, but, but as you're describing what God has done, excuse me, what God has done and how He has done it. And, and you see you see interest in your in their eyes and, and, and you see this sense of wow this is this is really amazing stuff that you're telling me that's what this that's what this word describes there's a movie titled bed of roses it was made in 1996 I've never seen it it's on Netflix I intended to watch it this week to see if it was okay to even mention it um, I, I know it's either PG or PG 13 this is not I'm not saying go watch this movie for sure I but the movie is about a man played by Christian Slater who, who is a florist. And he hires himself to deliver the flowers for his florist shop. He, he hires a business manager, I guess, to take care of all the business details. But he wants to be the guy, not just who makes them and stays in the shop, but who go gets to deliver them. Why? Because what he gets to see on the face of the people that receive the flowers. That's this word evangelism. That's this good news. And another piece of information about this word, every time this word evangelize appears in the Gospel of Luke, it's referring to talking. 
Every time evangelize is used in the book of Luke, it refers to us talking. Now, you know, we often mention that there's other means to be, to be uh, evangelist by living your life, you know, before other people, uh, by be, being a, a good and forgiving neighbor and those sorts of things. But, but in the book of Luke, every time evangelism, this word is used, it's referring to spoken word. There almost always has to be a spoken component to evangelism, to proclaiming this good news. The second word is kara, spelled C-H-A-R-A, and this is the Greek word for joy. For joy. This, this word occurs in Luke more than it occurs in Matthew and Mark put together. Luke uses this word a lot. Now, maybe some of you remember when you were little, and joy was just sort of the natural state that you were in because you didn't know any different. You're just, right, living life. You don't have to worry about what to eat, whether you know, you're know you even safe or not. That's all taken care of you. Um, all of those worries are taken care of you. But, but, but there was this sense of joy. I mean, little kids get excited by breakfast cereal and Happy Meals, Right? You take your little ones to McDonald's and you buy them a Happy Meal. And, and it's like it makes their day. That's joy. Because no one has told these children, stop being joyful. Life is hard and then you die. That's sort of the message that we think often. We let kids be joyful. And then we say things like, gee, I wish I could be like that again. Well, here's the thing, adults. Maybe we need to look at things in life and find the joy in them. When, when we see a big tree, we think, man, wouldn't it be great? We should think, man, wouldn't it be great to sit in, in, in the crook of that tree and, and watch the sunrise and enjoy the incredible leaves that are on this tree instead of, you know, a guy wouldn't want to run his car into that tree too hard. It might kill him. Here's the thing. Think about this. You are sitting on a rock right now that is hurling through space at over a million miles an hour. And you're still on it. The wind hasn't blown you off. And that rock that we're sitting on is at the outer spiral of a galaxy that it itself is moving through space. So what should our response to that be? I think it should be, Woo! Right? Come on, everybody do that, right? We're on a big rock, we're hurling through space. Woo! Joy. 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 Shepherds were the first ones to hear it. They were the first ones to hear it. Euangelizo, Kara. Then we have uh, Laa, L A O S. This is the Greek word for people. And in fact, Luke uses this word 35 times. Um, only 14 times is it used in Matthew. And it's not used at all in Mark's Gospel. And Luke wrote the book of Acts as well, and he uses this word 47 more times there. The point of the word is, it's for all. It's for people. We're all together. God, God has come for everyone, not just those who we would deem acceptable to receive this gift. Jesus being the Savior for all is a major theme of Luke's writings. Now, Luke wrote to the Gentiles, to a Hellenistic culture, Greeks, Romans, and in it he says that this message that the angel brought, that Jesus is the Savior, is for all. It's in, in Texas they would say it's for all y'all, right? Or something like that. I don't know, I'm not from Texas. But I can imagine that's how they would say it. And, and if they were from the even further south, you wouldn't know what they're saying, I don't think. So, need a translator. Uh, this good news of great joy is for all. So that's the first three key words. Another key word is sameron. First uh, point number four there. It, and it's the Greek word for today. Again, it's interesting, but this word occurs more in Luke than it does in Matthew and Mark combined. This word today. 
And, and this emphasis of the word is used to help us understand that what had been foretold to these shepherds happened that day. That it was immediate, right now. Which I don't think is much a message about the past or the future. It's about today. And the fact that you and I, worshiping and surrendering our life to Jesus Christ, can have this joy and this peace and this eternal life today today you know in the scriptures God says I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end God says with me time is, is, is no more I mean God is beyond time however that is I kind of envision it as there's this timeline um, you know if you were to put a, a piece of string in front of you and, and it was the very beginning and the very end and the size we are that's how God is he just, he just sees it all all at the same time he knows that he's, he exists in it You know, you know that feeling you get when you drive down the road in the summer or maybe in the winter and your favorite song comes on the radio and it just brings a spark into your heart and, and, and as you're listening to it, it's just like, you know what, that it's, it's, that, it's that absolute all is right with the world in this moment right now. Have you ever had that happen? You know, that's what, that's what this word communicates. That's what happens when Jesus Christ is our Savior. That's what happens when we respond to this good news. That's what happens when we proclaim this good news to other people. They get the opportunity to hear the fact that for them, life could be this way today. Not in the future one day. You know, sometimes we think, you know, we're, we're looking too far ahead at eternal life and we need to be ready for the end absolutely and that's going to be a great thing. But, but, but we're experiencing eternal life today. It started when we surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, our eternal life. That's the perfect moment that Luke is writing about. That's what Jesus brings, a perfect now. The next word, the fifth word is soter, S-O-T-E-R. It's the Greek word for savior. Now this is an interesting one in, in Luke's text here. Uh, because Luke is the only one that uses this Greek word for savior, soter. Now, and it's interesting, or maybe unusual, or, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's a reasonable thing for Luke to use this title, because in the culture that he's writing to, this is how they would refer to kings. This is how they would refer to rulers. They would even refer to Greek gods, little g, as soters, as saviors. That was their, their terminology. And Luke is saying, uh-uh, none of those are it. Jesus Christ, He is Soter. He is the one and only Savior. Commentator Broadman notes, to proclaim Jesus as Savior in a Greek environment of the Gentile mission was to affirm that He was the Universal Deliverer, capital U, capital D, for whom people longed, who could do for them what neither their rulers nor their gods, little g, could accomplish. Only Jesus could try could truly release people from their bondage to evil, fate, death, and corruption. It's not just a Savior. It's, ta-da, Savior. A rescuer. As you sit here today, do you need rescued? Do you need rescued from sin? From sadness? From an eternity in hell? From yourself? If, if you answer yes to any of those things, call on Jesus. Please hear him calling to you here this morning. He brought you here to hear this message today. Call on Jesus. He is our Soter, our Savior. Number six is Kyrios. It's the Greek word for Lord. Out of the 166 times that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John use it, Luke uses it 95 of those. Jesus, the truth of this word is that Jesus is 
God. Jesus is God. He is a part of the Trinity. Jesus Christ was no less God than God is. We need to remember that. Somehow, God stuffed himself into the the human likeness or the, the humanness of a man. He became God incarnate. Giving up or forsaking or or denying might be too strong of a word, his divinity for part of the time. He got hungry. He, I'm sure he got thirsty. He got tired. But yet he could, he got sad. Yet he could know the thoughts of men. He could control the weather and heal. His power over death. Creator, commander, and king. That's Jesus. He's our Savior and He's our Lord. The seventh word is doxa. And this is the Greek word for glory. Glory. I want you to look at the order of how that is said in verse 14. If I can find verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I don't think it's an accident the order that those are in. He says glory to God first and then peace on earth. It has to happen in that way. There can be no peace on earth until there is glory. Until God comes. Until we surrender to Jesus Christ. There is no peace. God first, then peace. Now, in in this announcement from the angel of the Lord, Luke takes these seven words and then he continues them all throughout his gospel of Luke. Over and over and over, he repeats the themes to remind us. They help all people who read and hear the message to understand that the time of fulfillment for this messianic prophecy has happened and it's available to us today. That's the good news the angel proclaimed. Something happened that would cause everything from that glorious and joy-filled moment to be different forever and ever. And we have to remember that, number two, this good news really is good news. (laughs) This news of the Arrival, the first advent, the first coming, the, the, the announcement of the long-awaited Messiah that they've been waiting for for centuries and centuries and centuries. He has arrived here today. He was born just over the hills in Bethlehem. What seemed out of reach was now just a short walk away, and the shepherds heard the message first. Everything could be different now because of this good news, and everything would be different now. Not just different for Jewish people. Jewish for different for all people. And this is true for us today. Today, salvation is only a surrender away. Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. We also wait in anticipation today as believers, as Christ followers, for the second coming, for the second advent of the Lord. Because there will be a day when he comes. It could be tomorrow. It could be today. It could be before the Broncos game at 2 o'clock. It could be in a month. It could be in 10 years. It could be 500 years. We have no idea how long it's going to be. But... But now that we've heard this message and that we need to believe and surrender, what are we going to do with that? What did the shepherds do? Chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Ah, let's go back to bed. No! They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. There isn't even any doubt in their minds. The angel said it happened. We're going to go see. And when they arrive, it says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger just as they had been told. They had a decision to make. 
The choice they made was to believe and go. Take action. What, what decision might you make today? Knowing that Jesus has come. And that he's calling you, each one of us, to surrender our life. To receive this gift of salvation that he offers us. Not to go out this week and try and earn it in any way, but to say yes here this morning. Yes, I will receive this, Lord Jesus. And then go. Now, they didn't delay action. How many times do we hear and understand what God wants us to do and there's a delay? It's like we don't want to do it. So we pause. There is nothing more frustrating than a child that you ask even politely to do something and they look at you and they say, no. Uh, Pastor Brad was telling us, of course, my grandson will never act this way. But they came home after an event and Kelly and Micah were there and their kids and his grandson. I don't remember how old he is, but he's old enough to know better. He comes in and there's a bunch of other people coming in the house and he takes his coat off and throws it on the floor. And Pastor Brad, and he said very kindly, he said, and, and he tells the story way better than I do, as only a papa could. Um, he, he says, you know, would you pick up your coat and go put it, you know, on the bench or whatever? And he said, just shook his head. And, and, and he continued and got a little more firm, you know, you need to pick up your coat and put it on the bench over there. And he looked at his papa and he said, no, I not do it. That conjures all kinds of emotions in me. Oh, yeah. But more often than not, when we see our children or other people make decisions that, that we know, and maybe even they do, that will hurt them in the end, it just breaks my heart. And I think it breaks the heart of God when he gives us this message of joy and salvation, and we look at him and we say, no, I not do it. Won't you respond today? Won't we respond with, with action, with immediate obedience? The Bible is full of people who clearly heard what the Lord wanted them to do, but responded with skepticism and delay and disobedience. Let's not delay. When we know, let's go for it. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and you've been delayed in responding to Jesus. You know for a fact He's called you to do something or asked you to do something and, and you just have put it off and put it off put, and put it off. Today is the day to obey. Now these guys responded not only with joy, but with haste. And they rushed to Bethlehem to find the baby. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I can't imagine what it was like to be to find this child just as the angel had said they would. The joy that filled their heart as they worshipped him and they believed. And then they began what? They just went back to their work, watching their sheep. No, they told every person they saw what they experienced. How good and how amazing it was. And there were people, these are shepherds, right? Ah, they're just the shepherds. Maybe they had a little bit too much to drink last night, right? But they continued to tell their story and tell their story and tell their story. God chose them to be the first ones to hear this message. And then we see in here where Mary, where they're telling Mary about all of these things that they had heard. Uh, and it says that they were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Maybe even in disbelief, I don't know. But then it says, and, and there is a but, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You see, Mary had had an encounter with an angel before. Mary knew it wasn't so far-fetched for this to happen. Mary knows what's going on, generally speaking. Mary knows what it feels like to be on the fringes, to be socially outcast. We're going to talk about that next week. 
And I doubt them believing and worshiping Jesus made shepherding any easier. They went back to the hills to shepherd their sheep and you know, sheep are going to do what they want to do anyway and at the moment you think that you can make them do what they don't want to do, that's when you get out of the profession. You know, I always liked to raise sheep instead of beef because here's the reason. Because you can hit a sheep with a two-by-four and you know they feel it. It's hard to hurt a big beef. Now, I wouldn't know a lot about that, of course, but they're, they're frustrating to raise. Amazing how we're referred to as sheep, right? In the Bible, over and over and over again. Because just as sheep are, we can be frustrating to raise. But these shepherds, though their job may not have gotten easier, were forever changed. Forever. Eternally. Today, those very shepherds who heard this message, who worshipped Jesus incarnate, are in the presence of God. Today. Now, we might go back to the same job, but once we have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, our life will never be the same. We will never think the same. Our priorities will begin to change and will be different. God will work those out. When the shepherds told these things to Mary and the others who came, it put them in the position of being the first evangelists in the history of the world. They were ordinary people with an extraordinary message of good news. I think that's the last point. They were ordinary people with an ordinary message, an extraordinary message of good news, and that's who we are. We are ordinary people. As some would say in Podunk, Lingle, Wyoming. But we have an extraordinary message. Are we going to keep it to ourselves? Or are we going to share it? I want to uh, end this morning with a story. And I, I, don't, I don't want to use this story to inflict guilt on us this morning, but it's a really good reminder in the season that we're in. It's called Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? By Michael Helene. There's a story that has become legend in a small southern Minnesota town. I can't vouch for its truth, only that people tell it as though it really happened. It seems that a man who was retiring from his position as mayor was to be honored at a midwinter party as he left office. He had served for more than a decade during uh, which he had been responsible for a number of significant improvements to the downtown area, and so it seemed good to have the community pay tribute to him. The party was held at the VFW Hall west of town, and all agreed it was a great celebration. The music was loud, the room crowded and noisy, the finger food was unusual in its quality, and liquid refreshment was available without restraint until late into the evening. Conversation the next morning over coffee in the Main Street Diner was about what a wonderful event it had been, a fitting tribute. Someone wondered if the mayor had enjoyed it, but no one knew. No one in the diner had talked to him, or, they discovered, had even seen him there. After asking around, they learned that the mayor had checked into a hospital the previous day and had missed the party in his honor. It seems no one had noticed. The parallel to our modern celebration of Christmas is all too obvious, isn't it? People come together, the food is great, the music warms the heart, but has anyone seen the guest of honor? The reason has become about us. The season has become about us. Our menu, our travel plans, our expenses. We've lost perspective. The themes of Christmas are often forgotten. Perhaps our celebration might be more authentic if our hopes were not only for good sales figures, but also for goodwill among mankind. Perhaps we might notice the Christ more truly among us if our prayers were not only for peace in travel, but also for peace on earth. Our church set out, to set out its nativity scene the other day, he goes on. Life-sized figures of all the familiar characters are in place, kneeling around the manger, all but one. 
It seems the baby Jesus is missing. We couldn't find him this year. Mary and Joseph and the wise men are gazing reverently at some wisps of straw. Sign of the times. Hopefully the Christ child will be found by Christmas. Let's not forget why we do celebrate the season. And I truly hope that the series as we've been going through it is drawing you in and it's making Christmas more than just a day, but a period of time. And that in that period of time, we all acknowledge, surrender, maybe re-surrender our life to Jesus Christ, God, Emmanuel, God with us. And that today as we leave here, this joy, this peace that, that I believe you have felt at times during the service today would spill out into your conversations with other people. And as you invite them to come, maybe maybe even next week as we talk about Joseph and Mary, I, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. And then Christmas Eve, as we actually take a glimpse of, of the inn, the innkeeper, there being no room there, and, and what, that, what that means to us and how that applies to us on Christmas Eve. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for all who are here and who you have brought to hear the message today. And as we leave, uh, Father, I pray that I, I pray that we would know you. That we will have surrendered to you. Father, as there are some here today, I'm sure, who maybe in their mind don't know enough yet, I pray that, that they would continue to seek they would continue to listen and to hear the, the, the witness of those who are around them and who brought them. That they would truly know the peace and joy of having you as their Savior. Father, help us to find joy in, in life this week, today. Father, I pray that the, the offering that we're going to receive right now, that that you would use that to continue to, to, to proclaim and multiply this message of the good news of the gospel throughout the world. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you would, please, as the plate comes by, if you filled that Connect card out, I just really we'd really appreciate it if you would put that in there. Also, if you're, uh, if you're a new visitor, if you're a new guest, and I've not had the opportunity to meet you yet, I will be out at the information counter. I would love to meet you, put a face to a name, and begin to learn that name. And, uh, and then also don't forget to stop by and sign up to help with the Christmas Eve service. Adam. Please stand.